Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Tuesday evening. We are um, day removed from greatest preseason game of all time, according to Troy Aikman and countless others who watched the Commanders snap the Ravens' ridiculous 24-game winning streak in the preseason. Uh, quite quite the show. I want to talk about some parts of the game. Um, I'll do, and and we'll talk about Terry McLaurin's injury with the latest on that. And uh, we'll talk about a bunch of other topics, including uh, for our game that's catching fire across the nation with, that has no name yet, but where we set lines on things rather than say we're picking this or that. Um, Michael Phillips, our friend, is would join me to discuss stadium to some some stadium fun we, we talked a lot about sam howell uh we talked about uh, local media coverage obviously michael unfortunately was recently um let go by the richmond times dispatch he talks about that with me as well and we kind of talked about where things are going and why this team with the way they seem to be trending it's early of course but positive vibes for sure why that may help the local media market uh we discussed that. We discussed uh, Cameron Cheeseman's uh, long snapping. We got into a lot of weird stuff. So a lot to uh, discuss here on the Standard Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig or X. I, I'm never going to call it X, but you know what I mean. Uh, you can, uh, of course, follow me on The Athletic. Subscribe there. Appreciate that. I, I did a bit of a recap on the game uh, last night. And I'm going to say that uh, my colleague, David Aldridge is going to have a story out in the next day or two. And uh, you know, you always want to read DA as well. Um, Confession for those who didn't know, I didn't actually go to the game yesterday. Uh, If you can hear my voice, I'm still battling this. I don't know what it is. Cold virus. Uh, I don't know, a- alien inception that's completely messed up my voice. Whatever it is, uh, it's still been a bit of a show, and I feel fine now. I've taken the various tests. You might be thinking, Ben, have you checked about this? And I'm all good there. Um, but I, my coughing is still a bit of a struggle, and you don't want to cough in a press box with like 50 to 100 people. They will definitely give you the side eye. So uh, I just decided for the, for the sake of everybody, and, you know, I just – stayed home to watch that game. I could have made it out if this was a regular season game would have been there, but um, hopefully I'm okay. By the time they play the Bengals to wrap up the preseason on Saturday, Um, but being at home has its advantages. I got to enjoy uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. That was a fun podcast. And look, sitting on the couch, watching football, I really think is how God intended it almost. I mean, it is a, for me, a much more enjoyable deal. Obviously, there's no cheering in the press box. I'm not sitting up in the press box with my feet up, having nachos and, and a drink and you know, cheering for whatever team I want to cheer for. But I'm just saying in general, it's not a bad way to go. And, and seeing the replays and, and all that um, was good. So I got a good look at the game. And, you know, it's not like I'm not out of practice all the time. Uh, you know, I, I see that. Um, as I said, Michael and I talked a bunch about Sam Howe. So I won't get into too much of that other than to say, you know, 
I think the offense looked pretty good in terms of what they wanted to accomplish. That that to me was a, a, enough of a positive takeaway. They were able to go up tempo. Hal continues to look comfortable out there. So I thought all that was um, was was pretty good. I, do I still have concerns about the offensive line? I do. I do. Um, you know, uh, I I don't even know what more to say than that. We've discussed it already. Charles Leno did not play. Logan Thomas did not play. But all the other offensive starters did. And, uh, you know, look, the line is, um, you know, it's going to be th- this is the time where I think it's really going to have to. You know, they're going to have to firmly believe in what they have and not go out and get somebody else. I don't think they're going to. I could be way wrong on that. Um, but, you know, I think they, you know, I think Sadiq Charles played by far more snaps than Chris Paul in this game at left guard. And he did some good things. He also had a penalty. But, you know, Sadiq Charles is what they want to do there. He does have a lot of potential. That's never been in doubt. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field. So they're going to take a big bet. It, it looks like that he's going to be able to stay out there. If not, I, I'm not saying Chris Paul can't fill in, but I just don't see Chris Paul as like, wow, we've got the next guy at left guard. He's still very young or, you know, you know, you, you, inexperienced NFL player. There's always room for growth. But, you know, the if, if Sadiq does not work out the way they intend, that is going to be a concern for sure. Um, On the defensive side, they sat out all the st- starting defensive line. And four of the main five players in the secondary, only Emmanuel Forbes stayed in the game. And and once again, he may be skinny, but he is tough. And Emmanuel Forbes had a really nice run stop. He is unafraid about putting himself in harm's way when there's a play to be made. He did that uh, yesterday. Um, But without the other defensive backs, it gave room for the guys like uh, Christian Holmes and Quan Martin and Rashad Wild Goose to, to do some things. Uh, I think Rashad Wild Goose had a very tough night, uh, got beat deep, had a penalty call, gave up a touchdown. He, on a, on the opening drive where the Ravens marched straight down the field, second week in a row, the opposing offense has marched right down the field against whoever was the first team defense for Washington. He, he gave up uh, outside position, allowed a running back to break contain there. I I did not understand when preseason or sorry, when training camp started, when they would take out uh, Forbes and move St. Juice outside, Wild Goose was the one going in the slot. I was always baffled by that because, you know, like even if you're saying, well, he's the backup to these other guys, like the drop off to go from, you know, sitting either Forbes St. Juice and Fuller to Wild Goose is pretty dramatic. Not to mention, you've got the whole point of this secondary is you have so many guys who can play different spots. You can use Danny Johnson there. He did not play in this game because of the rotator cuff uh, injury that he suffered in the Baltimore uh, practices. Um, but you've got Martin and Cam Curl. Um, you know, the, you've got other guys that can do these things. So. I don't know why Wild Goose is playing. Either way, I think mean, he's in a tougher spot right now to stick than you would have thought, perhaps, uh, going into this uh, to some degree. Um, Quan Martin, obviously, you know, he struggled in this first game. Um, you know, got beat a few times. I have not watched back the tape yet, so 
perhaps I missed some things, but in that opening drive, he seemed to be part of a miscommunication on the touchdown catch to Zay Flowers. I don't know if it was his fault or somebody else's, but he seemed to be part of it. And then he completely whiffed on as Flowers was running by to the end zone. Um, and then even on the interception that he had, which was a really fun play, uh, Josh Johnson quarterbacking for Baltimore throws a lob to James Prochet, who beat, um, who was open, but the, the ball got there a little bit late. It was, it was a sort of a lob throw. Prochet basically dropped it. May not have gotten touchdown anyway, but he dropped it. It bounced to Martin. He returned it back, you know, all the way past midfield. The thing is though, he got beat on the play. It was a good play. It was a good sort of pick pick play from the Ravens. Um, and I don't know that it was necessarily his issue that, 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 uh, he got beat or what the responsibilities were exactly, but it did happen. So I'm not like giving him necessarily a, a gold star for the interception, other than just to say he hustled and kept going. So he's still been kind of off to a bit of a um, bumpy start so far. Um, other than that, I, you know, I don't know that I saw that too many other position battles. Like I feel completely different about some over the other. Th- there were some weird snap count situations like when we've been talking about who's going to be the fifth and sixth receivers, Byron Pringle could be in the mix and Marcus Kemp, two guys from Kansas city, Mitchell Tinsley undrafted free agent. Who's been running with the twos a lot. Um, you know, you've got the Dax mill, Kaz Allen punt return receiver battle going on. We haven't talked about Kyrick McGowan at all. He was hurt a little bit in camp. You know, he was here last year, ended up on the practice squad pretty much all year. He ends up with the third most snaps behind Deami Brown. I'm sorry, behind uh, John Dotson, Terry McLaurin. Um, I don't know where that came from. So that was odd. Jonathan Williams and Alex Arma, two guys who might be vying for one spot as like that fourth running back, or in Arma's case, fourth running back, fourth tight end. They barely played. Um, so I don't know some some odd things there. Maybe that's an attempt at subterfuge by the staff to not let scouts who were there watching from other teams to know their pecking order or it could just be not a big deal. But anyway, some interesting stuff there, by the way, I, I, you know, it's funny. I didn't, I didn't start off with where's the McLaurin injury update because I'm on Twitter all day. And, and not to mention I'm reporting on the news. I feel like everybody is aware of this. Obviously that's insane because a lot of you have lives and you're working and you have kids and you're at the beach and, you know, you're stuck in the drive through at uh, Chick-fil-A, even though they're very efficient. You know, a lot of people know the lines and maybe you just hadn't seen it. So let me get to that. Uh, some good news. Uh, Terry McLaurin took an MRI today. It came back with some positive results. No serious injury. They're considering it day to day and he will. Um, um, you know, they're optimistic that he'll be able to play week one against the Cardinals on September 10th. Um, I, I, I'm expecting him to get a second opinion on this or McLaurin to get a second opinion on this. You know, I've seen some of the Twitter docs mention turf toe. Seems like it's a potentially reasonable situation for now. They're calling it a sprain toe. Um, I'll leave that up to the experts as to what exactly the differences are, if there are any, um, but we'll see uh, if it's, if it is some turf toe, that is a painful injury. I don't expect McLaurin to practice this week, which is no big deal. None of the starters you would think are going to play um, in the game Saturday period. So we won't that you know, him playing or not won't give us any indication 
If anything, well, he's not going to play. Um, I do with Michael discuss whether he should have been in the game. I got a pretty strong view on that. So you can uh, hang on a couple of minutes. We will get to that. Um, I do think that Antonio Gibson continues to show he is going to be far more involved in this offense than it looked like a year ago. Uh, you know, I, I've been saying for a while, I thought the two players who would benefit the most from Eric Bieniemy's plan, Deami Brown, Antonio Gibson. Ironically, they both scored the touchdowns in the game. Uh, they scored two touchdowns. Or they each scored a touchdown. Can't speak in the game yesterday. Um, and Gibson, their workload with Robinson has been kind of even. I'm not, you know, don't 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 fantasy football anything based on what I just said. I'm just saying it feels like Gibson's going to be a bigger threat than he was a year ago. And he said, told us the other day, he's in the best shape of his. Um, young career so good sign all around there um all right look we're gonna have more to discuss here but michael and i go for a while super fun conversation got into a bunch of topics that i like that he likes hopefully you guys will like as well sam howe uh some fun with the stadium talk local media and if we're talking long snappers and look cameron cheeseman i think there's a little wonder what's going on here he dribbled a snap back to trash way last night so we'll discuss that uh, and actually before we go to michael let me just say uh i don't know what was going on but there was a little bit of a delay on the audio and like i think mean, maybe we stepped over each other a few times hopefully it's not too bad uh but you know we both noticed it but it was, did nothing we could figure out how to, how to deal with it so um hopefully it's not a big deal there you go okay um let's get to it here's my conversation with michael phillips on the standard room only podcast all right as i told you guys in the intro i could could not make it to the wild game last night at fedex field but look if the universe said for ben stays home that means our guest gets to go it's no brainer trade-off that i would make because nobody was more excited he couldn't have scripted a better deal than our friend back with us michael phillips uh, seriously, I mean, you know, the 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 pig and shit kind of comment that I that's I'm just picturing that was you. You've been this game is your game every year you circle it. What and <laughs> what a game! It we saw history and and every year I ask the guys questions like, "Are you going to dump Gatorade on Ron when you break the streak?" And it, it was so gratifying, Ben, to see that when the moment happened. Everybody rose to the occasion. And not only was it an amazing celebration and the crowd was great, but the Ravens were super salty about it. That made me happy too. Oh my God. So, so amazing. Um, <laughs> like it was, you know, as I said, I, I know you were listening uh, to the broadcast as you do when you're at the games. And, you know, obviously, look, the fourth quarter of a preseason game, nobody cares, right? Typical other than the guys who are trying to make the team. But, like, you know, Aikman and Buck, they're doing, like, all their, like, C&D level bits. You know, they're they're, they're checked out. But then all of a sudden, you know, they they mention the streak, and then, you know, the commanders get a touchdown. And all of a sudden, like, it it felt like everybody was drunk from Troy Aikman on down to the rest of us, uh, watching (laughs) how everything was, like, finishing out there. And, uh, yeah, and then for Joey Slida to make the 49-yarder, uh, (laughs) Bedlam, it, I, I, it was great. It, 
it looked fully out of range when the Ravens were up eight with the ball. You just figured we were done there. And it kind of looked out of range when they scored. They were up seven and they were going to go for two if they had punched that in. Um, so, so to breathe that new life into it, it, it was one of those things where uh, the crowd did not create that atmosphere. They reflected the uh, the players created the atmosphere and, and, and the crowd responded to it, which you don't often see at football games. That's more of like a tennis thing or a golf thing, you know, where like the, you're in a tennis match and like the, it, you start realizing like, these guys are into it and like you, you get into it. The players were legit into it. And so we got into it and, and Troy and Joe got into it and they quit doing bad shtick with the referee guy. And, and they, they dialed in for the end of the game, which was, uh, it was, it was a very nice preseason treat. I, I mean, I don't want to go straight to superlatives because lots of things could happen, but I don't think we'll see one like that again, at, at least not for a while. No, I, I mean, Troy Aikman said on the, on the air, uh, this was the best preseason game he's ever seen or been a part of or something. And, I, I think, don't think he was sarcastic. Yeah, no, I, I, I wrote in my story and I said, I think he might actually have been serious because it was, <laughs> it, you know, other than when I was a kid and you didn't quite understand that that didn't really mean anything. And Babe Laufenberg is driving <laughs> him down the field every year. Other than that, yeah, it's, I can't recall one where I was like, oh yeah, that was better than that. That was, it was pretty wild. Um, I'm glad you got to witness it. Very exciting. Uh, we're also glad you're here. Uh, obviously, your world has changed a bit over the last month or so, and people are certainly curious what's going on with Michael. I hear it all the time. So, I guess if you're willing, what what's going on? How uh, how how are you doing? Um, you know, uh, in, in your uh, world here. Thank you. I, I am willing. Um, they um, yeah, they called me in, and and you know, budget cuts uh, cutbacks at the paper, and it, it wasn't you're doing a bad job. It was we're not having your job anymore. Uh, you know that we're not going to have a sports editor we're not going to cover the commanders and uh there's not much you can say to that ben other than i I guess that's the decision you guys made and 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 we'll roll with it because you know it it's nice to not have like boy you suck and so hit the door it was just we're not doing this anymore um which is is going around um you know i I don't pretend i'm i'm a unicorn here we all see the headlines and, and certainly lots of places uh in the new news business are facing this and Lots of creative people are, are moving to the internet and moving to other outlets. Um, I'm definitely trying to stay in the area. Um, have had some great interviews already. Um, the the cool thing about the timing was, I, I, I've been joking, I, I feel like uh, one of the players, uh, you know, a former star player uh, who we used to know who would always kind of tweak his hammy on day one of training camp and, you know, yeah. oh, have, have to miss training camp for a couple of weeks. Uh it was nice to to have that time with my kids. They're back in school now, so so everything's kind of back on the front burner. Um, I'm I'm like a college football coach. They they're paying me to not coach right now. Um, unlike a college football coach, I do not get that treatment for the next four years. Um, I, I will have to find a job, and uh, I think we'll have some big announcements soon. So I'm I'm excited. Things are popping. Um. Well, awesome, man. Look, I mean, obviously. You know, we don't want this to happen to anybody, anybody we know in particular and all that. But, you know, anybody who's going to have the positive, upbeat vibe still, uh, you can't you can't take that, you know, out of you. So I'm I'm uh, glad to see you are uh, still uh, going as, as expected. And, yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see where you go. Um, you know, did- a, a lot of it is just there is interest around this team. And, and, and you know, I. If I'm proven wrong eventually, I'm proven wrong eventually. But but you know when they say, "Hey, 
we're not covering the team anymore. I'm thinking, I don't know. I think people are still fundamentally interested in, in this stuff and, and sports news and, and obviously commander's news right now. So I, I still feel good about the future of what we do. I, it's funny because anytime you talk to another journalist, they've got a war story too. And, you know, John Kime, who's on the beat, has been laid off uh, before. And you, you obviously have done your many transitions across the world. We're all, we're all seeing what's next, but I, I think we all see the same thing out there, which is there's a lot of interest in this team and a lot of people really itching to, to, to get on board here. Well, and, you know, uh, uh, you know m- nobody more than Michael pushes me to do my real calling in life, which is be the me- D.C. sports media reporter. <laughs> um, but, you know, look, unfortunately, with your situation, they're not replacing you. With Pete Haley moving on from um, NBC Sports Washington to uh, covering golf and other things for NBC Sports up in Connecticut. In terms of their daily writers, the ones like who are actually show up every day, all that stuff. There's only five of us now. It is like, I don't know. I, I don't know what the peak number was before, but like there was always more than five. I mean, you know, we had two people at various times. NBC Sports Washington had multiple, two to three writers, depending on the time, the Washington time, you know, there were more stuff. So it is going to be interesting to see if this team does start to generate buzz. Does somebody out there go, hey, there's only five, there's only so many outlets covering a team. And that's five people for four outlets. That's because the Post has has two. So it will be interesting if this team does turn it around. What does it mean? for media coverage in this town you you know if you were a a, a rich businessman and you were asking me five years ago to advise you on what should we do with the commanders i would have told you get get out it's it's too crowded of a space there's too many people in there it's too hard to distinguish yourself and what you do and it, it you know in that area it was and the interest is continuing to decline and if you were a rich businessman and you were to ask me today, I would say, my gosh, buy this thing low. Everybody sees that, like Verizon and Bud Light jumping in at, I'm sure, less than they paid before. J- jump in now. It, you know, the smart companies are, are making the move now to get into this space because I think, and I don't want to jump to conclusions because, look, crazier things have happened. But this sure feels like a professional outfit that that owns this team and is running this team. And You've covered enough NFL to know it is a league that is literally designed to keep every team in it every single year. And so I think when you combine both of those things, it's not a stretch to say they will have success in the next decade as long as they stick to a reasonable thought out plan. Yeah. And look, you know, we obviously don't work in the building. We're not we're not part of the team, but we are adjacent. We're around it all the time. And just even seeing how the organization has changed towards us. I mean, it's this is going to sound really stupid, but one of the, during one of the hot days in practice, they brought out one of those like a uh, little like ice cream uh, vendor things with, you know, the little cart and there's like a guy there and there's four scoops of ice cream and all the stuff. And you think, Ben, are you serious? What are you eight years old? Yes. <laughs> but it's the type of thing that's just human. Like we exist, uh, uh, you know, you don't have to. They're not obligated to do anything. But it's the type of thing that if they're doing that for us, you know, I'm not changing my coverage because I got some good ice cream and it really was good. But it shows an, an understanding of how to treat people, your customers, the people that cover the team, your employees, uh, all that stuff. That is a sign of 
something different. Again, it's it's maybe minor on the surface. It's not building a stadium. It's not winning a Super Bowl. But it is the type of sign that shows, hey, there is something different happening here. I really do think in recent years they lost out on players they wanted to sign and could have signed in a vacuum because those players were told, don't go to Washington. You're not going to have good facilities there. You're not going to be treated well there. Um, I think that's the first change you'll see is we're not talking about at some point we're going to have to talk about like, how do you make the next step to a Super Bowl, right? Right now we're talking about like, how do you make this next step to be on a level playing field with the other 31 teams? And it is stuff like that that, that will put you on that level playing field. Uh, for sure. Um, well, yeah, well, it's good. Look, I mean, uh, Josh Harris is just getting going. By the way, I guess I, I need to mention this because I didn't mention it in my intro when you're here. The Josh Harris handshaker around the world. I, I don't know if you were watching that live or caught it later because you were at the game, but I was watching the TV, obviously, and I don't know what Joe Buck was doing in fairness to Josh Harris. Like, I, I'm not saying I would have looked to <laughs> shake it, but it was presented almost like it was. But either way, he then does it, and you could tell Joe Buck's like, what in Drake? But it starts like giggling almost. That was so hilarious. Uh, that's the other thing, right? The, the last guy, Happy Thanksgiving, we're all mocking him. This guy was like, oh, that's the most awkward looking handshake ever. It's so cute. I, I don't want to live in a world where, where the guy who owns our team, uh, you know, the professional sports team in town, can't go have a couple beverages and enjoy himself at a professional football game that's uh look as somebody who's never been rich but wouldn't mind being rich if i were rich enough to buy a professional football team i would do that too oh yeah totally uh, good 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 for everybody involved um and good for everybody who got who stayed and watched at the end <laughs> but um most importantly for this season of course it's what happened in the first half of the game that matters most uh you know uh you know you guys unfortunately because you're not at training camp you're you don't know how much you've seen of sam Howell other than some highlights or these preseason games but you got to watch him in person you obviously saw him all last year uh what'd you think he, he's had a really good preseason uh you know just the, the two games and, and then the joint practices you're right i can't speak to the rest of the development but i, I just love what i'm seeing in terms of the deep ball is crisp and gets where it's it's going and gets there quickly, man, that'll open up so much for you. They have not had a credible deep threat like that in a really long time. And if you throw the ball down the field and hit Terry or hit Jahan or whoever it is for a 40-yard game, defenses play you different. And then you're seeing him be really good at the quick stuff too. Um, I, I, he has learned from his mistakes. He's had bad, bad plays. He's bounced right back from them. Uh, he's not the total package. We we can break down the flaws. The the sacks have not been on the offensive line. The the sacks have been on him, Ben. Uh, you know, on my scorecard, um, the decision making has not always been quick enough. Um, but dang, if I don't love what I see, a young kid growing into that role who who seems to have the goods in terms of raw arm strength, raw ability to to do it. It's never a guarantee in this league. And look, the offensive line still scares me, notwithstanding. And then, you know, it's Sam's decision-making, but I I really am encouraged by what I've seen in terms of the growth. You know, it's so interesting, right? Ron Rivera comes here in 2020, the whole riverboat Ron thing. And, you know, the first like year, I remember, you know, we're all, every time there's like a, a, a play where it's the chance to gamble or go for it, we're like, mm, it's not kind of, it's not really riverboaty there or 
it didn't quite feel like he was living up to the nickname. <laughs> and honestly, the last two years, I, I, I don't think he's the nickname would have to go away if it was like based on actual intent. He's been very conservative. That includes signing Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sign er, tra- trading for Carson Wentz was aggressive, but in terms of just choosing Carson Wentz, it's like eh, whatever. Going with Sam Howell is about as riverboaty as you can get in the sense that he really has to win this year. We we all assume, and he's going with a guy. We don't have to go. Through, we all get the. Yep. We all know the resume. He's inexperienced. He easily could have. Look, even if he had gone to Brissett, right? Brissett would have been just like those other two moves, and he exists. But he stayed with Howell. I don't know where this is going to go. People have heard me talk about this. I've been impressed as Howell's progressed. I'm not worried about him vomiting all over himself when the games start. I don't know if they're going to get to more than seven or eight wins again, but he's done fine. And I, I you know, I think if you're Rivera, you got to be pretty pleased at this point that what looks like a pretty weird gamble back in January is looking like a fairly reasonable call right now. And if something else, there's more hope in the air than you would have if you tried out one of these. Oh God, really? That guy's coming out here. Yeah. Your, your great, you know, disconnect here is this is a make or break year for Ron. And it is really easy to be committed through the offseason. And it's really hard to be committed through the adversity of a season when you know it's a make or break year. Um, in a regular situation, you could say Sam Howell could finish 8-9 and everybody could feel really good about it if he makes strides through the season. Um, it, it's tricky, though, because if he finishes 8-9, I think Ron's probably still on the way out after this year, just given the, the new group and, and the way they probably want to handle things. Um, so, so that lends an air of complexity to it. You mentioned the river, but one thing in my notebook from yesterday, he doesn't go for it fourth and goal from the two, but then does go for it fourth and three at midfield. Make it make sense, Ben. Please make it make sense. Did you hear Aikman's comment when he went for it on the second one? He 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 said no. He said, "Yeah, you're gonna have to go for this if you want to keep your riverboat name." I'm like, dude, he just kicked a field goal from the two. In a preseason game. <laughs> so somebody I know was like, when he's like, wait, he's not actually kicking the field goal from the two, is he? I'm like, mm, I guess so. I guess he wanted to make sure Joey Sly was the guy. I don't know. Dude, uh, Joey, Joey Sly, big, big winner last night. Nope, nobody went in harder than Joey Sly hitting the clutch 49 yarder. That that'll keep a job. Oh, big yeah, big couple days for Joey Sly. His competition gets cut, banks three field goals, hits the game winner. No talk about Joey Sly and being in any trouble, at least until week something. And then, uh, you know, miss one kick and then everybody, uh, Chris Russell zero, has got to go. Zero on the... um, was First Russell... time, I mean, oh, things an extra point. Somebody, somebody, somebody always yells, oh, you missed an extra point. You got to cut him. Like other kickers in the NFL don't miss extra points anymore, Ben. Yeah, uh, for uh, sure. Um, in general, though, Mike, it's sort of weird. But one thing that was weird for uh, for that game last night was because the Ravens basically didn't play anybody on either side of the ball. But in terms of defense, like I asked my colleague Jeff Zrebeck, who covers them for the athletic, he said like two or three guys maybe were out there, uh, you know, normal starters. Um, so when you're judging everything that's happening from Sam Howell to the line to everything else, you know, it has to be on at least a little bit of a curve. And I think in that sense... I wasn't like blown away by the offense, but you can see the process. And I think they are still building towards 
you know, they're still evolving as a group because they had to learn a whole new deal. And Bienemy himself is evolving as a play caller and 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 all those things. Um, does that context matter to you in terms of the Ravens were not at anywhere close to full strength or doesn't matter as long as they looked what they did what they had to do and you were comfortable with it? That, that's fine. I don't know, because if the Ravens play the ones and we have this chat, I say, well, it's the preseason. They all ran vanilla defenses. They all ran vanilla offenses like it just at a certain point, it is the preseason. We cannot extrapolate this to the regular season, but we take the individual traits that we saw and and we can feel good or bad about those accordingly. And and I think I feel more good than bad today looking back on that performance. Um, you know, one thing that sucks being not well, several things suck about not being in the press box, but one thing is when something of note happens and everybody immediately, you know. Like, you know, either they are, you know, carrying a pitchfork or clutching their pearls or whatever it is. Everybody's got some thought, some take. And, you know, it's fun to hear what everybody's views are. What was the reaction when Terry McLaurin gets hurt, both in terms of, oh, no. What's going on here? And what and for me was, why is he actually in the game? What, what was the what was your reaction? What was the reaction in the room when for, on those angles when he got hurt? Yeah, and, and I get it. Like this is this is Eric Bieniemy's thing, and he's he's working them hard, and he's got to give Sam Howell a chance to build a connection with his guy. We saw that last year when Carson Wentz didn't have a timing connection with Terry coming out of the offseason. Jahan became the favorite, and and I don't think they want that. I think they want Terry getting a lion's share of the work, which involves him being out there. It's just unfortunate. Now, I I, I tempered my reaction because I. I he walked off on his own strength and he walked to the locker room on his own. Those are both very good signs. Now, turf dose stinks. It's going to be a rough few weeks for him. But I, I do think at least out of the gate, nobody was like, oh, my gosh, he might be out for, for months. I, I do think him him walking on his own was a very good sign. And, and then it wasn't obviously a knee injury, which is, of course, the scariest of all. The, it wasn't a knee, wasn't an Achilles, wasn't one of those mega scary injuries. Any amount of Terry McLaurin missed time is bad time, but I, I don't think this is a code rad. Right. I mean, so, uh, you know, the, they've, uh, they're, they're, you know, supposedly optimistic about week one and all that. And great, obviously, you know, they can't afford to lose him. My, my thing, and I talked about this with Sheehan today. I, I, I was on with Sheehan. I, I've not been sleeping well lately. People know I've been sick all week. You can hear it in my voice. So my sleep has been terrible. So I think I was just really punch drunk arguing with Sheehan about this. But I was kind of pissed off, like in the sense that he was in the game for this specific reason. I told him in work on the chemistry, all that. But they've been doing that. But Terry has been here the whole time. They've been doing this since OTAs and or veteran mini camps or whatever. They've had all these weeks of reps. They just were in Baltimore. And one of the storylines was how Sam and Terry are really developing something. And if the Ravens were using their starters, I would totally say play them. Because you want to give Hal, if, if they're going to use their main guys, we want to give Hal the best chances possible to succeed. Having Terry McLaurin against the Ravens, like fifth and sixth stringers, that, that's that's way overkill. Like you don't need all that. Um, you know, that, that's like me against Pete Haley in a history contest, right? You don't need me to beat Pete Haley in a history contest. You just need somebody who was born, <laughs> you know, it, it could be Pete's age. It doesn't even matter. That's with way too much. So to me, you're telling me I I would have just said, look, um, Terry's coming out. 
Diami steps in, Byron Pringle. They're professional players. If we want to keep Jahan out for a little bit, Gibson's still out there. Cole Turner's out there, the line. He wasn't abandoned. Just get McLaurin off the field. So to me, that I do think that was an example of the enemy. He's calling the shots, and he is playing this thing like Tom Thibodeau in the NBA. I know you know that reference. All He's going all hard all the time, and he's not going to pull off the gas just because there may be some concern like I just expressed. I, I want to double click on Jahan for a second because it, Terry goes out. The next five passes are to Jahan Dotson, first round pick, notable good football player that's very well established. Did, did that bother you too? I would probably, I mean, uh, to an extent, yes. I, I'm just saying, I'm looking at the risk reward. The reward is Sam Howe gets to play with these guys. Okay. He's been doing that for a month, like every day they're throwing each other. We're talking like what one drive. And I know it's real game, but like, eh, I don't, I, to me, it's not, it's not worth it because the Ravens had their backups to the backups in you're telling me Deami Brown, who then catches a touchdown, isn't good to be good enough. Get out of here. I, I That to me is where it's, it's like the risk reward of the, you're telling me they're going to build up more chemistry in these few plays, not worth it to me for them to potentially get hurt. Um, again, they sat, they sat all their defensive guys. Like, why isn't Montez Sweat out there doing whatever he's doing? I mean, I know why he's not, but I'm just saying, it, 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 it's like the, the team has two brains. The defense is definitively one side and the offense is another side, and they are not meeting in terms of how they're thinking how to run this team because Rivera has seeded out all the power to be enemy. So I'm not trying to make a capital offense out of this. Injuries happen in football. I just don't see what the reward was. I don't think the reward was worth it to risk the seventh highest paid receiver in the league being on the field at that point in the game. Do you think if it wasn't Monday night football that he would have been in there? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think the enemy cares if it's Monday night football or here's what I think. I I don't think Eric the enemy cares. And I think Eric the enemy would have put him in even on, you know, even with, with Mr. Chick calling the game on, on NBC four. Right. Um, I think Ron was a, was a big fan of what happened last night, getting Sam a little national juice, putting, putting this quarterback competition fully to bed. Uh, I think that really served his purposes very well. Um, are you are you on Twitter right now? No. Oh, because it's funny. You just mentioned Mr. Chick, and we were talking about sports media. I heard this rumor literally earlier, a while ago, really, but like, and it just came out. I guess that the replacement for Darren Haynes at WUSA is going to be Mr. Chick. Ah, there you go. DC Sports Media News breaking on the podcast. Yeah. Um. This is the type of stuff I can't discuss in any real way because I'll see these people. Uh, but yeah, look, Chick was the when you know he was at NBC Sports Washington, he was the number one guy in town. Um, you know, he's been I, you know, he's been around forever. I remember when he was Buck Hans's number two on Channel Five back in the day. So, you know, I know it's either be some tough times uh, the last few years, but good for him. And, uh, you know, um, the more. The, the media uh, mark the, the the media outlets dedicate to this stuff the better it is for all of us uh, even if it's tv i mean you know just you know just get out of my way i gotta get my one-on-ones that's all no just kidding um so good for mr chick um uh, but that was this weird uh, timing it, it, anchor, anchor 
you don't have to answer anchorman style fight which local sports team wins in the street brawl so we got what mr chicken and charla scott and do you know yeah you know? i think mr chicken and charla get, get installed now natalie is that her name yeah well who's J- who does jp have a partner is it heather not natalie yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, Moises. Moises is his partner. Uh, he, Moises isn't there anymore. Oops. Uh, yeah, Heather. Heather and JP then are, are in. Um, and, and I'm missing one. No, NBC. So we, there's no Fox sports team, is there? I'm no, 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 there's really no Fox there and Monumental. They don't, they don't, I don't know what they're doing yet. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think Abraham, he's, he's uh, I'm going to install a fighter. Mr. <laughs> he's scrappy he's scrappy no question yeah um well what a world um <laughs> all right um all right well anyway at least terry uh you know seems like he's gonna be okay we'll see what this does you know how, how this turf toe goes i'm gonna bet we don't see him on the field this week and none of the starters are gonna play or you know, most likely none of the starters will play in the preseason finale saturday against the bengals um yeah, so uh, kudos uh, to them for other, you know, by and large they've been fairly healthy. Well, I'm curious about John Allen's plantar fasciitis and Fedarian Mathis gets back out here soon and Logan Thomas, but yeah. um, you know, all things considered, they're 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 still reasonable right now, especially compared to the last couple of uh, years. Um, I told you that I've started this new game. I'll say this: we have. A- we haven't even gotten to your special game. This is already my favorite appearance in the stand group ever. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, the look, this is, uh, you know, we, we, we've been away from each other for a while, you know, miss each other, you know, we're, 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 we're connecting on a, on a, on a bit podcast. Yeah, I, level. I think... <laughs> um, all right. So exactly. I've got this new game that has no name yet. I got to work on that. If somebody has an idea now that we've been doing it a couple times, let me know. But basically the gist is rather than just saying this is better than that in this world where we're all gambling on everything, we're putting a point spread to it. Now, Matt Paris last week when I did this was confused. He being a boxer was viewing it from like somebody's going to be like a minus 135 favorite. And I'm like, no, no, we're doing like football lines. If you want to go the other way, I'm not going to yell, but we're doing football lines unless, um, you know, you ask permission from the, uh, from the panel. So random topics. I, I try to cater them a little bit to the guest. Um, so here, here we go. You ready? Uh, I'm right. Re- I don't really understand the other lines all that well, to be honest. So, so we're we're on the same wavelength here. All right, we just talked about Terry yeah, McLaurin. Uh, you know, that's that's. A... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, right. you know, I I, I it's not really like plus two hundred is is an underdog, and minus two hundred is is a favorite. I. I it's hard for me. It's like Fahrenheit and Celsius or like kilograms and pounds. Like I, I, I get what the numbers mean. I just, I don't understand. All, all good. Well, well, unfortunately we're in a uh, Fahrenheit universe. All right. Um, all right. Here's the, so we just talked about Terry McLaurin. They are sounds like the everybody reported today that they're feeling optimistic about him for week one here. Here's the line. This one's a yep. little, a little out there. So just bear with me. What's your? I want you to do this line based on your concern level. So your concern of Terry McLaurin missing week mm-hmm. one, 
versus your concern of long snapper Cameron Cheeseman actually not being able to long snap because he's had struggles all camp. He rolled one back to Tressway somehow. Joe Buck wanted to nominate him for like a Nobel Prize or something for how he was able to get the ball down for for a kick. So give me the line based on your concern of McLaurin missing week one or Cameron Cheeseman's long snapping actually being a problem. Boy, this is pretty lopsided. Now, my understanding is in the NFL, lines never go above 14, I I believe, is is like the high end here. Um, And I think without having heard the other questions, I don't think I'm going to feel more strongly about something than I feel about this one. I'm going to say cheese minus 12 and a half. Um, I, look, you are what your performance says you are. Terry's performance says, past performance says, he will be out there and he will be playing football. We don't have enough of a past performance log on, on, on the cheese. I want to like the cheese. I like the name. He was part of breaking the most important streak in the history of preseason football last night. I'm forever grateful to him for that. Uh, I don't I, I don't have enough of a body of work here to have great confidence in the cheese that that, that he doesn't need additional work here. All right, so you're saying McLaurin is the heavy favorite minus 12 and a half. That's what you're saying. Thank you. Did I say that right? I, this is this was the problem with inviting me on a gambling segment. Um, yet McLaurin is going to play. I'm right. skeptical about cheese. I cannot I cannot believe I'm ruining this segment for you this or this early in the show god you got you got a ways to go but to ruin it as much as matt did last week you're fine okay so uh <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm 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 not i mean look it is only week one but like i remember right a couple years ago terry had like some crazy bad foot injury you know we're gonna have to bring in uh you know doctors from around the world to look at him and then he goes out and plays the game and played pretty well so i i think he'll figure out a way to tough it out at least i would be Thank willing you. to bet that relative to I don't know. I mean, you know, they, they talked early in camp about um, Cheeseman's trying some new grip. He was he was really bouncing some balls or had some low, low, high snaps back there. So I don't know. I think this is going to have to be a question for Ron, I would think, this week. So I, I'll go a little bit less than you. I'll go McLaurin yeah. minus eight. But I do think the Cheeseman, the Cheeseman part is, is enough to – I if you told me they bring in a long snapper – before the season, I won't be surprised because that's one position you can't, you do it or you don't there, you know, there is no, you know, the worst, the worst right guard of the league will at least hold up. Sometimes you only snap so many times you got to be able to do it. So um, hopefully it's all fine, but I'll go eight minus eight and a half. All right. You got it. Yeah. I, I, I had a little thing earlier, right? I, I am unhappy with people who get mad at NFL kickers every time they miss an extra point. It is okay to be mad at an NFL long snapper if he botches a snap. Right, right exactly. He's got the, the literally the one job to do. Um, all right, let's go a little more of a serious topic, but straight up into your wheelhouse. Um, let's talk stadium here. I'm going to match up the, the D.C., Virginia, mm-hmm. Maryland in one-on-one matchups. You tell me what the line is as of right now, August of 2023, with where you think the thing will go. Obviously, the world has changed a bit because of well, not a mm-hmm. bit, it's changed a lot. New ownership, all the all the places are falling all over themselves to get to Josh Harris. If they could give Josh Harris a game ball like Ron has now twice, they would. They're all in. But you know, 
the 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 locations aren't moving. So all and the nostalgia hasn't changed. So let's start with let's start with this. Um Maryland versus Virginia. And I'm just gonna assume Maryland we're saying put it in the same place that it is now. Virginia, Loudoun County, right? It can't be any further than that. Otherwise, it's not gonna work. So Maryland versus Virginia, you tell me the line of where the stadium is. At Virginia minus two and a half, uh, Maryland's big advantage was incumbency. They, the land is there. They, you could get started quickly on it. They, they're ready to green light it. With every day that ticks by, and, and look, it looks like this team's going to be very deliberate and reboot their process. They lose that incumbency advantage because the farther you go into the future, the less it matters that you can build right away in Maryland. The more you're, you're projecting to the future as opposed to doing it right away, Virginia's advantage from the beginning has been a big old pile of cash. Virginia has more cash it is willing to offer than the other two localities. A pile of cash holds up over time. Um, so I think with every day that passes, Maryland's advantage diminishes. Virginia's advantage of big old pile of taxpayer money remain, remains solid on the table. Virginia, slight favor. Yeah, I, I went with this one first in part to save D.C., but also because I figured this would be the one where both of us are sort of entrenched in our positions. I'm going to go Maryland minus three and a half. One, it's there, right? That 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 that, that, that counts. It's, it's already there. Two, the, the, the Maryland governor, Westmore, like they're, you know, not being shy about what they're doing. And I do think keeping the team is going to like the people like they want that they're already building the mini city type stuff around, you know, or in PG County right near the stadium. I, you know, I think people want them to stay. Whereas like in Virginia, you're right. There's money there, but um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying Virginia doesn't want it. I'm just saying, I think it's harder to get it out of where it is. And the Virginia thing, I know, you know, you're coming from the Richmond side and I'm coming as a local who's been in Maryland my whole life, just like Josh Harris and Mitch Rails. Um, I, I just I, I can't I, I just can't see it being in Virginia. I'm going to assume they they feel the same. And even though they're money men, you know, it would just be easy. I think I think they stay. Which to be clear, it's not not a great location. Not 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 touting that, but I would go Maryland minus three and a half over Virginia. Yeah, you could do a sub bet here off of the FedEx site against the National Harbor site in Maryland. Um, I agree with you. FedEx is is probably slightly more likely, but I, National Harbor is not off the board. All right. Um, D.C. versus Virginia. Now, obviously, here we're talking the RFK site. Um, I, you know, we, we can talk about Poplar Point. No, it's not Poplar Point, is it? No, what is the one over there across the river from Nats? Yeah. But, yeah, but you're correct. We're not seriously discussing that. We're saying RF. Right, it's, it's it's RFK or 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 bust. Um, so you know, look, we all get this one. It's the nostalgia versus it doesn't have a lot of space relative to like building all the. Uh, if you if they do want to build it out, maybe they don't. If you're going to keep the um the 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 practice facility in Virginia, which seems like the likely scenario, then. Maybe you don't care as much. You can build the mini city out there. I don't know. But anyway, Virginia versus D.C. What do you got? Yeah, I got D.C. minus three. When that ESPN report came out that said they were targeting 2031 for opening the new stadium, my my internal 
you know, alarm bells went off, said there's only one place that will take that long, and it's RFK. That means they're seriously considering. And yeah, I've, I've also done some reporting, and no, they are very seriously considering RFK and a mini city at RFK. That will be complicated, and that will be hard. But I, I think it's it's a very appealing option for ownership, and I get the sense they're willing to put in the time and the patience to get it done. Uh, I think RFK is my my favorite is the clubhouse favorite at the moment for me uh if i had to pick just one although i don't believe there's a definitive favorite right now i don't want to make this more complicated for either of us by doing a three-way wager i can't you know i don't have enough fingers and toes to make that work um i'll make the same case for dc or the, the same point about dc just for both i'll save us some time at some point here which i know you find funny that i'm saving time on the podcast or at least i think i am um all right, so um, here's my question. I, I would probably kind of do what you said, D.C. minus three and a half. I mean, maybe Virginia can just say, look, we'll give you all the money, and then we'll take some more money and give it to you. And, and D.C. at some point says, look, it's nostalgia for us. If you don't want that, we can't go any further. But here's my thing. If I'm D.C., I think I don't want it. I know you want the NFL team, and I know the nostalgia, but – the arguments about making sure you you keep the Wizards, Caps, and Nats happy is not only the, a reasonable thought, it absolutely should be the doctrine over there because those two places, based on where they are in the city, affect far more than just where the Wizards playing and where the Nats playing. All those communities over there, there's you know, there's thriving businesses. I know things have taken a hit post-COVID, at least over by Chinatown, but that's a whole sort of a, a bigger city issue. You take this, you know, you you you, you piss off Leontis and he moves the team to Arlington or something, I'm who knows, um, then I, I, I think that would just be bad. With RFK, you know, we all know the deal of an NFL stadium is only used by the team, the main team, you know, at most, what, a dozen times in a given year, give or take. And then even if you say you're going to put concerts there, that means then the concert's not at Nats Park or it's not at, uh, you know, the, the Anthem or something, right? So that's already working against themselves. And then even if you say, well, the you know, again, whatever it is, Army, Navy plays there or anything else, again, they could do that somewhere else. So I, I just think that – I'm not saying this is what they will think, but if I'm them, I'm like, we got to, like, pull pull back here. I don't think it makes sense for D.C., I agree with everything you just said. I don't think logic has much to do with it. I will add the, the one thing DC really and really does need is the land, is the RFK land. They need the federal government to sign it over to them. And that's not a football argument, Ben. That's just a taxation without representation argument. DC has been getting poked in the eye by the federal government for years. That's their land. They deserve to have the say over that land. I am curious. It seems to be unbundled in the Senate, but, you know, football is obviously a big part of it, but I think it's very important they get the land and then the city can work it out itself, whether whether they want the stadium there or not. Um, but I do hope this process ends with the city ultimately being in control of the RFK land in its future. I think that's going to happen. I think um, when, I, I think that the, J, the James Comer, the, you know, the head of the oversight committee, Nope. I hope I didn't just give everybody PTSD by mentioning that committee. Um, 
his willingness to give the land to DC, his he doesn't care about the stadium. Conservative Republican tends to be smaller government. Here's one way to make the government smaller: get rid of it. So here, DC, you do what you want with it. Have fun. We take it off of our hands. Yep. Um, that seems easy enough. But you know, we'll see. I, so to wrap this up, I got uh, the last one: DC, Maryland. I got Maryland minus one and a half, and part of it is I think Maryland's all in. I don't know. Oh! I, yeah, I, I don't think D.C. has two feet in yet. I think there's still some people on the D.C. City Council who are not all in. Oh. There seems to be some progress, but I don't think they're all in yet. And Maryland, I do think, is in. The 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 PG County people want it. So just based on the momentum and then Maryland needs to keep it. D.C. I don't think needs it. So ultimately, I'll go Maryland one and a half over D.C. Donner, I love it. I love it. Ben's standings says Maryland's the favorite Maryland man goes to bat for Maryland I, I've, I've got the headline all written just need a place to run it well what do you have a line on that one uh, yeah I, I I said DC over Virginia by three and a half and I think Virginia's over Maryland so give me four and a half for the DC Maryland line I I got I still got Maryland running third in in, in my uh sweepstakes here but uh I, I will emphasize I will emphasize for the listeners I know you Maryland listeners. I'd like to emphasize for them. I think all three are very, very much still on the run. Yeah, well, I agree with that. Especially, like you said, if this is going to go on for a while, I mean, Harris has said this is not the top priority. They've got to figure out other things. Makes sense. Who knows what the world looks like in a year or two? The economy will be a factor, right? I mean, good market, bad market could change things. So we will see about that. All right. Uh, if I keep you any longer, you will definitively yep. tell everybody I know that this was the longest podcast of all time. But I I, enjoy, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, um, to remind everybody again, where can they find you on Twitter, social media, or anywhere else? I, I am still Michael PRTD. It'll change at some point. I just I don't believe in temporary names, Ben. I, I think you, I think you pick what you want your permanent name to be, and you, you don't you don't you know. There's no wishy washy. Washington football team Twitter here. We're you know we're we're waiting to go all the way. No temporary names. How about instead of Michael P R T D, it's Michael P B I T. Bits, 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 bits. I, I'll say this: this has been a very enjoyable hour of podcasting, and uh, um, I you know I, I hope the internet I hope the internet appreciates that you playing through it. Um, it's preseason, but you're still you're still playing through it, and uh, I, I think we really brought the goods today. Well, you know, look, I, I had a bunch of Wizards questions for you, but we'll save that for another time. Um, Michael, great to hear. <laughs> great, to, great to talk. Thanks for the time. Look forward to hearing uh, you let us know what, what you've, what you've uh, figured out for your next steps, and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Catch you later. All right. Many thanks to Michael Phillips for his time. Uh, thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast, subscribing to The Athletic, saying hi to me out of practices. All that fun stuff. We'll be back out there tomorrow. Um, but until next time, see ya.